good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Thursday, January 5th, 2023. And our top story today, classifying aging as a disease could speed up FDA drug approvals. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Amy Baker is a life sciences and technology attorney and partner at Ramon PC. Well, Amy, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us in the program and happy new year to you. Happy new year to you as well. I'm very excited to be here with you today. Yeah, this is a really exciting conversation. And I, I, we're talking about aging and how we view aging. And I'm, we've had numerous conversations on this network about aging and what it means to us individually. But I want to, you wrote a really interesting piece. It was featured in thehill.com, a great, a great um, publication. But let's talk about how the FDA view, the Food and Drug Administration views aging. How do they view aging? Well, I will say I'm not a member of the FDA, so I'm speaking from the outside industry experience. And my impression is that the FDA is very excited about longevity drugs, about regenerative medicine. And it's just a matter of trying to get aging to fit into their current disease model. So what the FDA does right now is they look at a drug to target a specific disease. And when we're talking about aging, that can mean so many different things. And so the FDA is asking the industry to come in and say, tell me what you mean by aging so that we know how to target that with drugs or other therapies. But overall, I think they're excited about the prospect. Yeah. And there are a lot of really good, we'll talk about this in a couple minutes, a lot of really good therapies and things too. I think scientists have been really, uh, again, not my technical area, but really um, done a lot of research about how to maybe reverse or stymie some of the aging. I hope that they can find the cure to hair loss. But let me ask you about, um, and all jokes aside, let me ask you about how we define aging. Because in your piece that you wrote, um, you talked about defining aging as a disease. And what, what exactly did you mean by that? Sure. So when we talk about aging as ordinary people, we're usually talking about just the passage of time, about day by day. And when scientists are talking about aging, particularly as a drug target, they're talking about degradation of cells. So people, you might notice uh, your friends seem to age at different rates. And that's true. Lifestyle can affect how healthy your cells are. They can affect how um, your genes express. And so when we're talking about aging, we're really talking about degeneration and degradation that leads to disease and to chronic illness and to just fragility and overall decline. But when we talk about classifying it as a, a, a disease, really this has more to do with the, the drug approval process, right? If you're an investor or someone who's investing in some of these therapies, it may take months, if not years, right, to develop uh, the, go through the approval process for the FDA. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It does take typically years to go through the testing before these can even be tested in humans. So um, it, it does take a very long time. And one of the problems is that right now with the disease specific focus that the FDA has is we might have a therapy that is supposed to eliminate senescent cells in the body. So these are zombie cells that have stopped multiplying, but they don't die. And the problem is that they cause inflammation in the surrounding tissues and this can lead to a host of problems. 
So in order to get a therapy approved that will eliminate senescent cells in the body, um, the drug manufacturer would have to target a specific disease. So there are some companies researching this now, and they might be in human clinical trials to look at, say, for example, macular degeneration, instead of looking at a healthy population and seeing how can the elimination of senescent cells affect us and delay chronic illness, delay uh, mental decline, for example. Yeah. And and Amy, when it comes to, uh, I, I would imagine that the industry uh, though it is prepared to move forward on a disease basis, as you, again, coming from a lay person, not a doctor, not an attorney, had nothing to do with health other than working out. Um, when you define it on a disease level, it's more challenging because you're, now you're dealing with mm-hmm. for a, a manufacturer. Whereas if you classify things under as, as aging as a disease, excuse me, you get a much more linear approach to, and streamlined approach to approval of, of some of these drugs. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, you know, there's another factor to that as well. If these drugs are able to get to market and they have targeted, for example, macular degeneration. So this is an area that's been studied. Patients with macular degeneration have been studied. And we know how this drug works for those patients. That doesn't mean that doctors won't prescribe it for other conditions. And that is not something that the FDA can prohibit because the FDA does not regulate the practice of medicine. But drug companies are prohibited from providing information to doctors about how this drug might impact other conditions besides what the drug was approved for. And that's a problem because it really limits the communication between drug manufacturers and physicians. And that's not what we want. We want doctors to be in a position to say, I know or I reasonably can expect what this drug will do for you, even if you're outside of the target patient population. And that would be an incredible change that I think we would like to see happen. Amy, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the definition of aging. What's it mean for future regulations? I think you're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. 
So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you stuck with a low credit score? A credit report and score that's causing you to be denied credit or pay higher interest rates than others for the same things? Then do what Terrence did and called Credit Repaired for your free credit evaluation to help restore your credit. I started thinking about buying a new house and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I, I liked what he was saying. Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit. I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All it takes is one call to get started. Credit repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score. Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation. Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152. Welcome back. We're joined this morning by Amy Baker. She's a life sciences and technology attorney and partner with Ramon PC. Amy, thanks so much for sticking around with us for segment number two. Really appreciate your uh, insight and perspective. Yes, absolutely. Thank you again for having me. Uh, I, I want to take a step back because you know we're, t we're, we're talking about regulations and definitions and in general, and, and a lot of our audience, including myself, don't have your level of expertise. And let's talk about how the, the regulations get written because you made some t discussions about how you know the FDA doesn't um, regulate how physicians interact with their patients. They don't want to do that. They just want to regulate the drugs that maybe some of the that are being offered. So how do the rules and regulations that the FDA issues to the industry to regulate the food and drug uh, output, uh, how does that work? Sure. So the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act is where um, these regulations come from, and that's the authority under which FDA will act. And that's been amended from time to time by other laws. And then FDA will issue guidances to the industry about how they're interpreting that act. And for example, when we have new science that's coming out and FDA is trying to figure out how, how to grapple with this new science, they will put out guidance documents as a draft form. They'll give the industry, which is drug manufacturers, researchers, uh, the public, an opportunity to comment. And then they will take those comments into consideration and finalize a rule. So uh, in this area, when we're talking about FDA trying to decide how, how we might regulate aging, uh, one of those conversations is about biomarkers. What can we look at in the biology to figure out that aging is occurring? And how do we know if we are slowing it down or even reversing it? And so we refer to that as biomarkers. What biomarkers are we looking at? And the FDA is already considering biomarkers for other diseases. Alzheimer's has been in the news quite a bit recently. And the FDA in that instance came out with a draft guidance saying, we will look at biomarkers if you want to develop drugs or other therapies that are for the treatment of patients who have early stage Alzheimer's 
Uh, so they haven't uh, necessarily been diagnosed with a full-blown condition at this point. And so FDA is very willing to look at these biomarkers, and they're kind of going step-by-step step with industry through the guidance documents to say, okay, this is how we propose doing it, and then we move from there. And it, it sounds very similar it, similar to the retirement industry, the financial services industry, which has its own regulatory entities, the IRS, Department of Labor, mm-hmm. et cetera, SEC, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it sounds very participatory because I have to think that, you know, these, the folks at the FDA, they're very smart. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're very involved, but these are very dynamic markets where new things are being developed at some of our best institutions around the, around the, the country. How, how participatory is the industry with the FDA and kind of shaping these regulations? I think that FDA and industry work together very well. Um, FDA does have a lot of very, very intelligent scientists working there, and they are obviously crucial to allowing the FDA to move forward with science. Um, Unfortunately, because FDA is a government entity, funding is not always what we would like it to be. And that does strain the relationship somewhat, because where we have these new therapies and we'd like to see a lot more communication between FDA and industry, um, sometimes it can't happen because FDA just doesn't have the resources to communicate to the extent that we would like to see. Uh, last question here, Amy, um, and, and just to kind of build on that, let's talk a little bit about the Consolidated Appropriations Act, that big omnibus bill that I think was passed towards the end of 2022. There were a lot of retirement provisions in, in there, something called the SECURE Act. But I want to get your your perspective, how that relates to um maybe the FDA, uh, aging, and some of the other areas that uh, you're focused on? Yeah, that's a great point because Congress is putting pressure on FDA through that act to to really develop the process for approving regenerative therapies. And so Congress has allocated more money, but they've also directed the FDA to come up with a more clear pathway to allow regenerative medicine drugs to come to market. And I think that that's something that FDA is taking very seriously. And it's just a matter of time before we know what that's actually going to look like. Yeah, it, it, I think 2023 is shaping up to be a great year for a lot of reasons. And it sounds like there's so much great work being done in the area of science and medicine and especially aging. It's going to make for an interesting year. Amy, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thank you for having me. That wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, then drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest security news and lifestyle wellness, finance, tech, so much more, and all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, we'll visit our website, and of course, our over 300 streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRN AM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. 
All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts, so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device. Tax audits, tax liens, wage garnishments. Every day we hear stories like this about good folks who are simply struggling to pay their bills. Each of them are living a frightening IRS tax nightmare, and they are afraid it will destroy their lives. I'm a divorced single mom, and my ex-husband left me and the kids with a lot of unpaid bills, including unpaid taxes. I was really starting to show my stress on my kids because the IRS had sent me a letter demanding a huge payment from me. I couldn't afford it. So then the IRS was threatening to garnish my wages. I'm already living paycheck to paycheck. That would have put me over the edge financially. It truly seemed hopeless, but then a friend at work told her to call the tax relief line. The people at the tax relief line, they told me about something called innocent spouse relief. They worked it out so that all of the taxes from my ex are not my problem. I don't know how that works and and I don't care. All I care about is that I don't owe the IRS a dime and they are not going to take my paycheck. Even if it seems hopeless, you should call the number on your screen right now. There is absolutely no cost for the call or the consultation. You are under no obligation. If you are worried that the IRS could garnish your wages, seize your assets, even take your home, call us right now. The tax relief line is here to help you. Now you have a knowledgeable, professional team of tax experts that are ready to negotiate with the IRS and fight for you to save you money. The tax relief line's professionals have successfully negotiated thousands of cases, reducing and sometimes even eliminating the tax debt for their clients. It's very easy to get started. Simply call the number on your screen right now. You don't have to live in fear anymore. The call and the consultation are free. 